It's time for episode 305 of the Clockwise Podcast from Relay FM, recorded Wednesday, July 31st, 2019. Clockwise, four people, four tech topics, 30 minutes. Welcome back to Clockwise, the tech podcast with heart and rhythm. I am one of your co-hosts, Micah Sargent, and I am joined across many coasts, across the entire United States, uh, across the entirety of this here continent by my good pal, good bud, and good friend, and step-in co-host, Brian Hamilton. How you doing, Brian? I'm doing great. So wait, every single bank of every single river and lake is a coast in this case? Uh, you know, Between us? I'm tired. And so, yes. <laughs> yes. I have not had caffeine yet either today. So we're in the same boat. Welcome to Clockwise, everyone. <laughs> well, uh, as you folks know, we have two awesome guests with us. And I am excited that to my left is a person of the internet who is somewhat awake It is Rose Orchard. Hello, Rose. Hello. I'm somewhat awake-ish, maybe. And to my left is the co-host of Supercomputer and writer at MatthewCasinelli.com, who I'm assuming is caffeinated based on his love of espresso. It's uh, Matthew Casinelli. Hello. Yes, I'm fully caffeinated, and I've had only one espresso shot today, not my usual two. So, Oh, we're at half power today. I am excited to kick things off because we've got four topics in only 30 minutes. My simple topic is this. Please share one of your favorite simple tech tips with the world. Rose, we'll start with you. Well, this I'm cheating. Uh, this is one I shared at MaxDoc this weekend, which is you can enable type to Siri, uh, which is amazing if you're like, I don't know, sitting on a plane and you don't want to be talking to your phone in front of 700 other people who keep looking at you weirdly every time you say, hello, lady, please, can you tell me what the time is or something like that? So turn on type to Siri at, uh, you know, convenient moments in your life. That's a wonderful tip, Rose. Uh, my favorite tech tip is one I surprisingly recently learned, and it is a keyboard shortcut. Option-Command-H will hide every single window on your Mac except the one you are currently in. And if you're using a uh, you know laptop and you have full-screen apps, this won't really help you, but one of my favorite things in the world is when I'm using an app, I make it relatively small and center it in the middle of the screen and then hide everything else. And it makes my Mac look like a stock photo for like or like promo image for whatever app I'm using, and I feel like I'm in a commercial. It's amazing. Option, command, H hides every single other window on your desktop. Um, My simple one is something I figured out when I got AirPods 2, is that you can ask Siri to start a workout on your Apple Watch, which is kind of nice. I do tend to, especially for older watches that are kind of slow, it can kind of be a pain to sit there and wait for the watch to kind of work. And so you can just say, hey, start a workout on my Apple Watch and as you're like walking out the door or something and then it'll just be going as you go, which is pretty nice. Well, I hate to continue with the Apple-specific tips, but alas, these are the devices that most of us uh, who are are hosting the show and who guest the show do use. Um, in your accessibility settings, uh, you'll find this under, it could be under display accommodations or it depends on, it, 
entirely depends on what version of iOS you're running, but display and text size, display accommodations, something like that. Um, there is an option to what's called reduce white point. And what that allows you to do is normally like in control center, or if you have an older phone, it might show up somewhere else. Um, you can address the brightness of the screen uh, all the way to the top and all the way to the bottom. But what if you want it to be a little bit darker than the bottom of the the adjustment bar? Well, you turn on reduce white points in those settings, and then you can increase the percentage of reduced white point to decrease the lowest brightness value of the screen. Um, so that way, you know, if you are trying not to disturb someone or if you absolutely have to, if you think there's like an emergency or something and have, have, have to check your phone during a uh, movie in the theater, uh, reduced white point can come in handy to make sure that you're not blasting anybody with light because even at the lowest brightness setting, it is still a pretty bright screen. So this just takes it all the way to uh, a pretty dark screen by the time you get to 100%. So you can find that in accessibility settings to make darker even darker. All right, folks, thank you so much for your answers on that there question. Let's go ahead and move on to our next topic, which comes from Rose. Well, it is the week. There are four of these every year. It's amazing how quarters work. Um, and apparently Apple <laughs> is down, iPhone is down, um, and there's a quarterly earnings call and the world is ending. Or apparently that's what a bunch of all of these fancy news websites think. So I'm curious, what do you think of the outcome of the quarterly earnings call? Do you care? Should we care? And uh, yeah, go, Brian. <laughs> uh, Jason Snell and John Gruber like to talk about baseball in terms of stats-based people and story-based people, where, you know, you look at baseball and you can either say, oh, they got all these RBIs or this kind of per hit percentage or whatever, and some people just like to watch the game. Uh, I don't watch baseball, so I don't know anything about that, but I am absolutely a story person when it comes to Apple. I really, really don't care about the quarterly earnings because, like, the Apple is one of and sometimes the biggest company in the world. So a quarter that is slightly down for iPhones and that's slightly down for Apple is not going to ruin the company. We're going to have iPhones and iPads for a very long time after this, even this is a bad quarter. And I understand if you have invested in the company, you want your stocks to be good. Again, don't understand anything about stocks, but I feel like it takes a very specific kind of person and very specific kind of Apple viewer to look at this and think that this is the end of something. Uh, as for why we have iPhones down a little bit in this quarter, I'm absolutely not surprised because most people are holding off for whatever comes next in a month or two. And I feel like there's people that are not buying iPhones right now because they don't want to, you know, have a phone for a month and then have a new one come out. People are much more savvy about the life cycle of iPhones and when they're released because of, uh, you know the classic joke that as soon as you buy something apple's going to replace it in two weeks and people are a lot more savvy about that now than they used to be so i don't i don't give any of this any credence okay so for me i was trying to spend the day not on twitter and i signed in during the middle of earnings and i was like oh my god this is the worst time to possibly go on twitter if you're an iphone fan or apple fan but i mean basically everybody knows that i'm the foremost analyst in iPhone sales in China. Um, 
because naturally that's what I know the most about. But supposedly from real analysts like Neil Seibart, he was saying the iPhone install base grew year over year in China. So I thought that was interesting. Or that the active install base of iPhones is at an all-time high. But I do totally think it's like they got a lot more expensive last year and maybe it plays into their strategy of making the phones last longer too. There was like another aside that I saw that was the active installed base of iPhones is hot is had has hit an all time high in each geographic segment, which kind of means maybe people aren't buying new iPhones, but there's the most amount of people using iPhones than ever before. And even like Apple's stock is, has gone up since the quarterly. So <laughs> I don't really know if people are saying that iPhone is doomed, but it seems like Apple watch and AirPods are doing really well. And I think those grew more, those are selling more than iPads overall. So that's an interesting story there too. But iPhones, I don't know. We'll let's see what they do with the next one. I think that Apple has been preparing us for every step of the process uh, that has happened. And, you know, we saw the no longer reporting um, exact units and things like that. We've seen uh, revisions for the quarter. We've seen all these things. And so for me, it's just like all this stuff is expected. And, and I feel that concern and doom come out of uh, a lack of knowledge or uh, a poor prediction or poor planning. And I don't see any of that from this company. This company is uh, has been the number of times I've heard the word services over all of my transcribing and, and the way that it's like, can, it's grown shows me that Apple has been banking on services for a while, that they have new things that they are hoping will continue to carry the company and continue to make the company a success. And so while a device that at some point no one else is going to need to have because they have, uh, is not you know, at the top of the charts, it doesn't mean that we can't still see a successful Apple. And I see an Apple that despite what external sources or, or, or uh, external eyes and mouths may say, I see an Apple that is prepared for these things and will continue to try to be successful. Rose, any last thoughts on that one? Any company that's got that much money in the bank is not a company you need to worry about. So why do we worry? We shouldn't bother <laughs> <Hear> worrying. <ye>. <laughs> you know, if they killed the iPhone and the iPad and the Apple Watch tomorrow, I could see maybe somebody going, uh, maybe it's time to sell some stock. But I think we're pretty safe. Agreed. Couldn't agree more. You know what else I can't agree more on? How awesome Linode is. This episode is brought to you by our pals at Linode and that means, of course, that it is halftime. With Linode, you can instantly deploy and manage an SSD server in the Linode cloud, and you get a server running in just seconds with your choice of Linux distro, resources, and node location. Linode serve their customers with the help of 10 data centers across the globe, and they're about to add more. Mumbai, India, and Toronto, Canada will both have data centers before 2020. I'm sorry, Toronto, Canada. Linode features native SSD storage, a 40 gigabit network and Intel E5 processors, meaning you're able to serve your customers even faster than before. And so you don't have to stress about overspending, Linode has designed their pricing tiers to feature hourly billing, with the added bonus of a monthly cap on all plans and add-on services such as backups and node balancers. 
I don't know what node balancers are, but they sound pretty doggone cool. Linode has pricing options to suit everyone. Plans start at a gig of RAM for just five bucks a month, and they've got high memory plans starting with 16 gigs of RAM. Linode has a special offer for you. As a listener of this show, you can go to linode.com slash clockwise and use the promo code clockwise2019 at checkout to get $20 towards any Linode plan. On the one gig of RAM plan, that's four free months. And with a seven-day money-back guarantee, you've got nothing to lose. So give Linode a try today. That's linode.com slash clockwise with the promo code clockwise2019 to learn more to sign up, and to make the most of that $20 credit. Our thanks to Linode for their support of this show and Relay FM. And now, Brian, let's hear your topic. Well, my question to you, savvy, fine technologi- technological people, that's a hard word to say, uh, what product, it doesn't have to be an Apple product, but what product would you pay a premium for to have a pro version of? And what features would it have? How much more would you pay for those features? I was think when I saw this question, I was thinking of Rosemary's question too, because I probably would be one of the people who would pay for an iPhone Pro because better cameras and better microphones and something like USB C storage would turn it into a lot more of a competitor with the I'm gonna say real camera that I have. Um because it does just not even the physics of how small the phone is means that it can never get the type of shot that you want from like a bigger camera or something like that. So I think I would pay for an iPhone pro. I'm not sure how much more I would pay for like it. The monthly subscription thing does make a difference for me because I think sticker shock would not make me want to pay more than $2,000 for an iPhone pro, but also doing a monthly cost. It is like, especially if you're using a tool like that for your job, you ideally are making that much money back so it should be just it should justify the cost but that (laughs) i'm not looking forward to uh, headlines if they do something like that i used to use a blue yeti and in fact because i am in the midst of unpacking i am currently speaking on a blue yeti and if there was a pro version of the blue yeti meaning in the sense that all i would do is i'd pay a premium And by paying a premium, I would get a microphone that has everything it needs, and I could plug it in, and it would give me perfect... Okay, so Brian is sharing in the chat the Blue (laughs) Yeti Pro. But I don't... Okay, so I haven't read about the Blue Yeti Pro, to be fair. But what I want is a microphone that's going to make me sound as good as the microphone that I spent a lot more money on, uh, one that is, I don't need to worry about, like, it does everything for me. It cuts down room sound, it cuts down hiss, it cuts down, it it stops, it has, I don't know, some sort of algorithm built in that if I accidentally bumped the mic, it wouldn't uh, register on this, all of it. I want, I want a microphone that does all of the smart things I need it to do. And so if the Blue Yeti Pro is that thing... I'm probably still not going to get it because the thing's heavy as can be, but um, I, I that's what I want. So give me the premium microphone experience all in one package, and I will gladly pay you for it. So I'm guessing a lot of the people listening have seen Black Panther, and a lot of the people have also played with the AR mode inside of Peacock. Basically, I want James Thompson to enhance the AR mode inside of Peacock so that you can actually sit in the car and drive it around, just like in Black Panther. And I will pay 
a fairly ridiculous amount of money for this. James, you are on blast. Make this thing now. Uh, excellent responses, everyone. Thank you so much. Um, I was wavering between a few things. There is a, uh, a Nova sous vide pro that exists, um, but it's $400 as opposed to the $100. So I think the only advantage to that is, um, like a higher wattage or something. I haven't done too much research because again, it's $400, but I would pay more for like more features in uh, a sous vide machine. The main thing I was thinking was AirPods. Uh, I love my AirPods so much. They are by far my favorite headphones I own. But when it comes to features I would like more of, maybe like even some software tweaks or a longer battery life in a bigger battery case, because I already own two AirPods battery cases. So if I bought new AirPods and they came with maybe a backpackable giant, you know, week long charge AirPod case, I would use that in addition to like one of my extra smaller ones from my previous AirPods. And let's be honest, I would pay for black AirPods even more. Apple, you can bring back the $50 extra for the black versions of your products. Just please give me more AirPods to love and use for the rest of time. Thank you all for your responses. (laughs) It was revealed on Friday from a whistleblower who shared to The Guardian that the accidental activations from your HomePod might be sent to Apple and also potentially to the contractors that they use to listen to these recordings. Um, and this was a this was a fun thing to read about if you're b- big on uh, Apple's privacy stance. But there was a lot of details, and I think it's pretty clear that a lot of people want to be able to opt out of this, and it's kind of not great for Apple's story. Um, but I posed a question. Of course, I did it accidentally slightly flippantly on Twitter, but I was actually just trying to ask a question of, I went into the Siri settings and then clicked on, it's like, what does Siri do about me? And then in the first paragraph, they're like, the recordings you say and dictate will be sent to Apple to process. And they send along your name, nickname, contacts, your location, and a lot of stuff like that. And when I first read the report, I was like, wow, I can't believe they're sending all this. And then it's like, oh, wait, they tell you they're sending all this like it's definitely not good that people who might not really be apple employees are listening to it but i was curious did you know how much information was being sent in this and have you read the disclosure and i guess just like does that change your stance on maybe homepod specifically or apple's privacy thing overall I know some people are probably not going to believe me when I say this, but uh, the the Siri, the Amazon, and the Google Assistant um, terms of service are actually documents that I have read. Uh, they and it's mostly so that whenever I do have to talk about these kinds of topics, or when a family member asks me about these things, I can come with come to them with a more. Uh, <laughs> I don't know, a more understanding approach and give them an actual answer versus sort of hemming and hawing. And so, yes, I knew that Siri or that Apple was collecting, uh, the requests that I send along or could potentially, you know, use those. But I think the big thing here and the thing that really got people sort of, um, interested in this topic and then worried about this is the fact that they're using uh, real people to do the the testing or the I can't remember what, the, what was the word that they used but grading grading um, there's some there's a difference between a cold hard machine uh, grading 
my accidental activations of Siri in the midst of a, of a passionate tryst versus an actual human being grading those experiences and realizing, oh, wait, this was not a, ah, this was not an, an, a purposeful activation. Oh gosh. Those are two different things. And in that sense, I understand where the concern comes from with this. Yes, I knew that Apple is going to be getting these things. And yes, I am happy to send them along because I want Siri to get better. I want ALEXA to get better. I want the, well, I don't use the Google Assistant as much, but I, if I did, I would want that one to get better as well. So I'm fine with Apple having those things. I think what the issue is, is maybe not being perfectly clear that human beings might be on the other end of this. And I think that Apple is smart enough to know that its customers would be a little skeeved by that. And so even if it is somewhere buried deep in the terms of service, I think that they should make that a point that they pull out. They often will pull out points and sort of put them in interstitials and say, hey, this might happen. Do you want to share this? I think that's one where they should have. They're smart enough to know that if people knew about it more, they would be bugged by it. And so they should have said, hey, at times we send your requests to human beings to grade. It's in a secure facility. It's this, it's that, and the other. And do you want to do that? Give them a yes or no option. But to let that kind of go until someone reported on it is not a, not a good look, Cook. That's, that's how I feel about it. Rose, what are your thoughts on this one? I am not the only nerd here who's read the Siri Terms and Conditions or uh, Disclosure Information. Yes! Uh, <laughs> uh, so, uh, yes. Uh, that. So I have read this before, um, and uh, I was actually talking in Max Talk about Siri and shortcuts, so I, I made a point of reading all of this, and then, of course, the Guardian released their article. Um, I I I know that a lot of people assume that computers can do our work for us and that AI is amazing and wonderful. Um, but I assumed that there were people involved because if the AI can't figure it out, then just like when you fill out one of those captures from Google where you have to identify sidewalks or crosswalks or traffic lights um, or fire hydrants because AI can't do it for it, you know, we are the people in that situation. Of course, you're going to get people involved. And so it makes sense to me that there are people listening to these recordings. Now, I imagine in many of these cases that it's, it's much as somebody sitting there going, nope, 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 not real activations. Um, and then every so often a real one comes up and they, and they try and figure out what went wrong. Um, but you need somebody to do that. Um, and if they have to do it through a third-party contractor, that's unfortunate, but it does make sense. Um, and they're still not selling our data or using it to recommend stuff to us on Amazon. So I'm kind of not really bothered about this personally. I can see why some people would be, and I can see why some people would very much want this information to be disclosed more readily. Um, but at the same time, there is fear-mongering, which is when the, you know something gets put on the, the startup screen when you set up a new iphone uh maybe send your data to third-party contractors for verification purposes when you, you are using siri yes or no and if everybody said no then you know what are apple going to do they still have to fix this themselves and they're outsourcing it for a reason so i i i think i understand why it would be good if it was perhaps a little clearer that there were people listening um but maybe everybody else is a nerd like me Somehow I doubt it. <laughs> I am also pretty not 
concerned about this, and I absolutely understand why other people other people would be. Uh, everyone else in my house that lives with me hates uh, echoes and listening devices, so I'm not allowed to put any echoes anywhere around the house. So I am already in a house full of you know paranoid tech people anyway. But you know, I. I always assumed this is how Siri worked, that they had people reviewing it to try to make it better. And, you know, I, I, one of the reasons I assumed this was because a few years ago, I was in a running, I was in the running for a job at Amazon reviewing these. So I thought, oh, yeah, that absolutely makes sense. People review this to try and make it better and say, okay, maybe when they say, um, uh, hello, seriously, or something like that, that, that we don't activate Ahoy telephone. Um, and I'm absolutely not trying to be one of those people who say, well, I don't care if they listen to me. All they'll hear is me swearing at Super Smash Brother. Like, that's not, exa- that's not how I am at all. I absolutely understand why people are concerned about this. And I think the main reason this is a big, uh, this is a big story. And the reason it was written this way in The Guardian is because it's Apple and they care so much about privacy and really front that, you know, privacy is our number one thing and we're doing everything we can to make everything private. Like, I'm, positive amazon uses worse things or like less savory things with the echo but no one is calling them out like this because they're not as gung-ho about privacy as apple and just like the battery controversy uh, a year or so ago when the like battery throttling to make sure your phone stayed alive became a huge story i think this is a case where rumors about apple and public perception about apple is unfortunately coinciding with something they're actually doing in a way that people are snapping to grid and saying, ah, you liars. So Mm. I'm not too concerned about it. I love that, the snap to grid part. That's a great analogy. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I think that's what's interesting is it's like based off of the expectations that Apple has set, this should not be happening at all because of the way they talk so much about things being private or especially in the last few years on device only. And I think, <laughs> I think um, the biggest thing from tweeting this was the tell that I hadn't read this, and that's why I brought it up. And I think <laughs> a lot of people were taking it as me saying, like, oh, you shouldn't care that contractors are listening. And I was like, no, I didn't even know that they sent your the names of your photo albums, for example. It's like, it does make sense, because it's like, did you get this right? Did it match the photo album? And I think that's where, like, I did fall slightly onto Rosemary's side, too, of, like, it necessarily kind of has to happen because it's audio and computers don't have ears um like they can listen and process it but those algorithms were trained by people and so i think that part is i had that expectation but i think the way apple has positioned it they're clearly in the wrong because they've been sending your information to people and i that aren't i think that's the big part too is that they're third party con or I don't know about third party, whatever, but they're subcontractors. And so it's not actually Apple employees. I personally don't think there should be any Apple employees listening to people's HomePod recordings unless they've opted into this. And maybe even opt in is a bigger answer than opt out because I think it's, it's definitely goes against everything else that they pitch. Very well said. Uh, folks, we have reached the end of another episode of Clockwise, but we've got just enough time for a bonus topic. My question for you, do you have a bedtime routine? Rose, we'll start with you. 
my lights automatically go red or and or dim at uh, ten fifteen if the kitchen light is off. Uh, so I have a bedtime home kit routine. Uh, what happens <laughs> after that very much depends on the awakeness of the rose um, slash what still needs doing and if the lights come back on. So yes, uh, ish is probably the answer. I have no bedtime routine. The only thing I do consistently every night is wear my very nice sleep mask and try to do the count backwards from 99 rule where hopefully by like 50 or 60, you're asleep. But I have no other like put my phone down here and put on this music and read a book for an hour. I have none of that. And I really want to change that. I think mine is spread out throughout the evening because we we have like curtains that we close every day. And so for me, that's kind of like the end of the workday because people can like creep into our living room which is a little bit weird but (laughs) my big hack lately has been i now floss before i brush my teeth because it feels significantly more satisfying it like feels so good to floss and then brush your teeth because you're actually like getting in there after you flossed for me it's just a making sure that you know i've got my my bed my covers pulled back and i'm ready to climb in but before i do then i have to say all right time time to go night night and then the dogs wherever they are know uh they run to the bed wowie 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 folks this is the end of another episode of clockwise all this loves is to thank our awesome guests rose orchard thank you so much for coming back on the show thank you very much for having me and i i look forward to coming back again and taking over or pretending <laughs> matthew castanelli thank you for coming on and knowing your place as a guest <laughs> <laughs> thank you it's a pleasure and it's been fun doing this podcast with you for the first time brian brian hamilton thank you as per usual for being the best pinch hitter co-host in the world micah it's a joy to be here on podcast and thank you dan for having a honeymoon and letting me come back in and usurp (laughs) oh honey all that's left (laughs) is to remind everyone out there watch what you say and keep watching the clock bye everybody